Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, um, but if you do proceed without having seen it, just be aware that the plot will be spoiled for you and there's some kind of general spoilers about Star Wars as well because we end up just having uh, quite a lot of Star Wars chat. Enjoy. It's time to podcast, listen to two blokes talk about films with romantic plots. Hello. Ah, I can hear you now. I went just for just a just a voice call there ah that maybe that is helping maybe we've got some technical issues yeah with, with which is a shame because i like how whenever we start the call i always get just a little clip of you lying in your bed in, in your <laughs> in your lazy podcast position yeah that is my that is my my go-to is just lying in bed chatting you just give me a little a little a little sneaky sneaky shot and then you close the camera it's a, a little a little window into into the life of rob a little windy. Uh, oh, I like what you did there. So, so let's uh, <laughs> listeners. We had some technical issues before this call started. So it let's was let's a, start a disturbance in the force. It was a disturbance in the force. So let's start again now. Now is the beginning. Yep, this is this the real is, actual beginning. This is this is episode one of <laughs> the Phantom <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Big boys don't cry. The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um. So wait, which one of us is Jar Jar? Oh, no, none of us are Jar Jar. Jar 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 is anyone who has disdain for our opinions. Yeah, which is um, everyone. Ship <laughs> so, so let's get cracking then, right? Let's let's yep. uh, let's let's talk episode two, Attack of the Clones. And one of the most interesting things about rewatching this is rewatching it as a standalone movie away from yeah. the other Star Wars films. So, did you go and see this in the cinema when it first came out? Do you have a recollection of this? I did. This is the only one of the prequels that I didn't see at the cinema. I uh, saw the others, but I missed this one. Were you so scarred by the Phantom Menace? I, I, I have a soft spot for the Phantom Menace. It's a bad movie, but there's something enjoyable about it, and it's such a weird film that I think, yeah. you know, as a, as a kid, it felt strange, and it's like, oh, this is weird. It doesn't really feel very Star Warsy, but hey. It's got lightsabers. That's cool. But as as I've gotten older, I've realised that it's a very very strange film. Um, and I kind of you know it's it's I can see why people don't like it, but I can I can watch it. Yeah, I think I I agree with that totally. I think there's something about it that is still interesting, and I like Liam Neeson and um the the Darth Maul theme, the Jewel of the Fates. That is an incredible piece of music, and it like it gets in my head sometimes. Just a, it is amazing, and. Yeah, it's the, the thing with people our age who are Star Wars fans on the Phantom Menace. Is it came out in 1999 when we were 11 years old. So you know, it's it's a tough one at that age because I don't know when did you when had you already seen the original trilogy at that point? I guess now we're talking about the Phantom Menace, but I think we should just for a bit of contextualization. Yeah, so I'd already seen the original trilogy uh, pretty much. I don't remember a time in my life where I hadn't seen Star Wars. Right. Um, I I can't think of the first time I saw Star Wars. It's so ingrained in me from a very young age. That's really interesting because I have a very distinct memory of one Christmas. I think when I was seven or eight, um, where my or maybe nine around that age. I think I might have been nine actually. Um, my my dad got me the like reissued, remastered VHS box set of the original trilogy, and we sat down and watched it together over the course of that Christmas break. And I I was just completely blown away by it. Like I'd never seen anything like it. And me and my dad now still have this kind of Star Wars thing. We always try and go and see every new film together if we can, and stuff is a really nice thing. And I remember the Phantom Menace coming out and it being like, oh my god, there's a new Star Wars. This is a huge thing. And feeling like obviously my dad explained to me like how big star wars was for his generation um, and like when he was um when he was young um and in his teens and stuff and now there was this new thing and i was going to get to experience that so for me it was such a huge event and i was 11 years old i didn't really have much of a sense of 
you know bad filmmaking actually and i thought it was great and i loved it and then later on sort of came to realize what was what is perceived to be wrong with it but i think it's still quite a goofy and fun and enjoyable film jar jar aside (laughs) (laughs) yeah jar jar aside there's a lot to enjoy about it and and there's a lot to enjoy about the things that are wrong with it as well yeah um where where there's there's this corniness and this this just general just strangeness to the whole thing where it's it, but you can still enjoy it in the same way that it, it's not to the same extent as you can enjoy the room just in terms of how many rules it breaks but yeah it's got that same kind of quality where you, you can just relish in the goofiness of the whole thing and and again i remember um like you said the release of episode one was this phenomenon because it's oh my god it's a new star wars film and and it was opening up this pathway to this whole new story that had been hinted at and there was this huge expectation behind it which it none of the movies met but I think there's something about all three of them that's enjoyable. Having said that, Attack of the Clones is the worst of the three. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I have to agree with that. It's really, it's the Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince of of the Star Wars universe, isn't it? Just a really long, brooding bag of old nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> and and i i think that kind of carries through to the uh the revenge of the sith as well did you almost say revenge of the shit just then i did not it's too tempting um and and i i i feel like lots of people say that the best prequel movie is the third one and i disagree um because i find it is too dour it's too deliberately dark see i i like it the best out of the three but only because you get to see him becoming darth vader and that's cool that's the and only he, thing that's good get, about it. He, he gets to go, no, yeah. that's great. Um, yeah. and, and it's got a big, big boss Palpatine doing his it, thing. It does. And and I think the the real thing that saves that third movie is Palpatine, because he's just so enjoyable in that film, just maniacally laughing, flying around, hurling chairs at Yoda. Yeah. It's just like, mate, he's loving life. <laughs> he, he is living life to its fullest. Shouting ultimate power life. as he kills Samuel L. Yeah. Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, and and there is that really good line in it about how uh, oh, this is oh so this is how democracy dies, uh, not with shock but with applause or something like that. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a good line, George Lucas. Well done. Yeah. Well, so solar systems want to leave the republic. Sounds a lot like <laughs> Brexit. What? Uh, I'm. I wonder if anywhere a Brexiteer has made a. Uh, a sort of allegory between the trade federation being the evil <laughs> EU. And Nabu being the glorious independent nation of Britain. Yeah, for sure. There's so, there's some kind of Brexit equivalent of Boss Nass out there. <laughs> actually, actually, have you have you ever seen a picture of Aaron Banks? Oh, who's God, that horrible right. man? He he yeah. looks a lot like Boss. He Nass. does look a lot like Boss Nass. <laughs> um, so so this movie, it's not as weird as uh, as um, the Phantom Menace. No, but. It does have some of my favourite idiot moments in Star Wars. So <laughs> I absolutely love that this film has like a 1950s diner in it. Yeah, For I no know. good reason. Run by Dexter Jetster, who has got one of the best Star Wars names. He's great. I love him. I wanted more of him. I would watch a film just about him. I would watch, I would watch a sitcom about that little diner. Yeah. It would be so cool. But then you've also got one of the best star wars names possibly the best star wars name um kit fisto <laughs> who's one of the jedi masters which one is that is that the conehead guy no that's the squid face guy oh the squid face guy yeah, yeah. squid squid face guy is kit fisto <laughs> you notice that some of the jedi are women there aren't that many yes, but there are yeah. a couple of women in yeah there. there's some women in that so and fuck off the people who claim that a woman couldn't be a Jedi in, re- in reference to the recent films, you stupid pricks. <laughs> What's funny about that is that there's been female Jedi in all of the books as well. Yeah, um, and like that female, is canon. Female Jedi are a big part of... Um, well, they're no longer canon, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, so any, anything that happened after the end of Return of the Jedi in the books is now known as Star Wars Legends and it's no longer canon so that Disney right. could do what they wanted with the new movies without having to worry about it. I guess that's fair enough. So there's there's elements of it that they've clearly taken influence from from those um from those sort of like books and games and everything like that. 
but they are very much no longer canonical, which is a shame because some of them are very interesting story-wise. Um, but it is what it is. But uh, but yeah, so so Kit Fisto, we've got Kit Fisto, we've got Dexter Jetster, Mace Windu, Mace Windu, who fell out the window in episode three. <laughs> he did fall out the window. <laughs> um, I know. I don't know why. I always found that name funny. Windu. What Mace Windu? <laughs> yeah, Mace Mace Windu is definitely what you use to clean glass. Though. <laughs> yeah. You get a nice bottle of Mace Windu down the pound shop. <laughs> yeah, it's like, do I want Mace Windu or do I want Sillet Bang? Which Which one have <laughs> exactly. they got the offer on? <laughs> exactly. Um, then you've got Count Dooku. That's a good name. Count Dooku. Yep. <laughs> Zam Wessel, which is a real. That's a real Mike what? truck, isn't it? <laughs> Zam Wessel. Who's that? Um, so that is the other bounty hunter, you know, the one who is like a shapeshifter. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, this is we're definitely assembling an intergalactic team of 8-bit baseball players here. <laughs> and then, yeah, so so Longhead Man, I think is Ki Adi Mundi. Right. Um, well, that's quite cool. I like that. Which is a, is a good name. But yeah, I, I, I love stupid Star Wars names. They're yeah. so good. All of them in the... Like, the prequel trilogy all just sound like they were made up by an eight-year-old and it's great (laughs) darth sidious even there's this great story about they were trying to make a i think it was a um darth maul standalone game uh this game development company um that were being licensed out by lucasarts but um george lucas took interest in the project which was not a good thing oh no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I swear, I, I, I swear it's true. There was something about it where he refused to let them go ahead with the project unless they named one of the characters Darth Icky. <laughs> that is so George Lucas. Yeah, I, 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 I love a bit of George. I it's know so that... odd, isn't it, that it was obvious that he does have this incredible vision, but with the original trilogy, there were other people working on it and he didn't have that, that kind of level of egomaniacal involvement. And with this prequel trilogy, they just let him do everything. And here we are, Count Dooku. <laughs> I know that he's kind of a, he's, it's kind of a hushed name now in Star Wars fandom because of, because of the treatment of the sequels and the constant tinkering with the original films. But I, I, I've got, I've got time for George. Yeah, I mean, without him, we wouldn't have Star Wars, which is no. gen- which is a wonderful thing, you know. And you and you've you know, got to res- as, even even when you're watching these like bad films, a bad Star Wars film. As soon as that the opening crawl comes up, as soon as it goes, ba I get chills every time. Yeah, whereas I and, cry and every you, time. You've <laughs> you've got to have respect for a man who created this legacy and then refuses to bow at all to what the fans want and does whatever the hell he wants with it yeah in in the face of millions of people criticizing him and that's actually more relevant now than it's ever been in terms of just the sheer entitlement and nuttiness of fans of things yes yeah um because star wars fans you think they're bad now they've always been very very critical and if you look at the fan reaction to the prequels, you know, I'm I'm critical of them and I don't think they're particularly good movies. But you look at how some people feel about them and it's really quite striking how much emotional focus they have on Star Wars as part of their their persona and yeah. as part of their, their personal brand almost. Yeah. And I love Star Wars. This is I don't know how much I've elaborated on this, but when I watch it, when I'm watching it i love it so much but i don't think of it as a thing that defines me in any way i would say i'm a big fan of it and i'm always really excited about the new films and everything and i i would, could watch it over and over again but i just i've never felt that way like it's a thing that i own you know exactly, exactly. and i do have nostalgia for it as well as i said i talked about getting the original trilogy and what an incredible thing for me that was now mind-blowing it was and i knew that it was just a great thing but yeah i've never felt that way about it yeah and and i'd say that i'm a pretty huge star wars fan and I any any kind of Star Wars media, I will just gobble up. Um, I I love Star. How Wars do you feel about um, oranges with a sticker on it with a picture of BB-8 on it? Um, I would eat them, sticker and all. <laughs> That's how serious I am about. Well, Star Wars what if life. I told you that oranges are not the only fruit <laughs> with a Star Wars sticker on them? I think it was actually around the time of. Um, the force awakens they had there were loads of star wars stickers on all the fruit in my local sainsbury's and that really made me chuckle 
can I get a banana with with um, Kit Fisto's face on it? <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll post it to you. Um, yeah, you better. You better. Um, yeah, so, so I'm, a huge, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I still find it something very uncomfortable about the people that are so heavily critical over something that they love. And and as I've said, Attack of the Clones is my least favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah, but there's still things to enjoy about it. And I, you know, I I don't skip any of them if I'm doing a Star Wars marathon. They've all got their place. No, and this has got me wanting to do a marathon again. So actually, I did watch this, and then I did watch Revenge of the Sith afterwards as well. Uh, I didn't okay. then want to go back to watch the Phantom Menace. I feel like I've actually weirdly seen the Phantom Menace more times because I, um, when I was yeah eleven and twelve and around that age, we got the video and I watched it loads, and I had. A, a toy that was the ship from Naboo or something, I think. So I watched that. I feel like I watched that enough for a lifetime. But for now, sure. and now I am kind of doing a, a, a bit of a marathon again, just on under my own steam in my own time. So I watched Revenge of the Sith, and it wasn't too bad. It's really it gets good about halfway through when he starts becoming Darth Vader, and there's all that stuff. Once you get rid of General Count Dooku and General Grievous, who is one of the worst villains ever. <laughs> see the the funny he's thing just about... one of those like round battle droids with a face and four arms one of that those does four one, lightsabers one of the Big funny work. things about um general grievous is i don't know if you ever watched the cartoon series about the clone wars no that was made by uh, gendy tartakovsky who did um samurai jack right which is a, a phenomenal cartoon and also i think he did dexter's laboratory oh right well. okay um, but but his real sort of like great works were these very sparse, minimalist, dramatic cartoons. So Samurai Jack is a wonderful piece of art. Um, and the Clone Wars kind of followed in those footsteps. And there are all these smaller episodes sort of typified by having very little dialogue and, and just giving these snippets of what the wars were like between episode two and episode three. Right. And General Grievous played a big part in that and was a much more interesting character and then when it came to the big screen he was kind of there and he had a bad heart and went around shuffling around breathing heavily and then died (laughs) (laughs) he was so rubbish Um, and just filling that time while you're waiting for it to get to the darth vader moment yeah really annoying Um, where where he's going around murdering children and screaming about how everything's unfair yeah that's what i want to see that's what i want (laughs) from my star wars um so this movie right yeah attack of the clones romantic as hell it is romantic as hell. They spend a lot of time on the romance. And this is the the most sort of obvious romantic scenes in any Star Wars film. So, yeah. you know, you've got the stuff with Han Solo and Leia, but it's those are only sort of snippets in these little, yeah. you know. But nonetheless, they're much more believable than this, I think. Yes, whereas this <laughs> this really goes all in on the romance. Yeah. And it doesn't work at all. No, it's awful. It feels like the seeds of what you see later on in films like after and twilight and all that stuff where it's all like love is torture and it's tearing me apart oh my god i love you so much even though i know you i do not even know you and uh, right it's so hard oh it's so dark uh, that's my impression of anakin skywalker <laughs> that's a very good impression of anakin skywalker yeah because he it's 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 weird from the off because he's been obsessed with this girl that he knew for about a week when he was eight years old yeah and you know it's it's made very clear that he hasn't seen her since he was a genuine child but it does make you think is that because in the the 10 years that obi-wan's been training him obi-wan hasn't let him meet any girls well that and that's the interesting thing is that in the in the original star wars movies it's never kind of implied that to be a jedi you've got to be a celibate boring dickhead whereas when it (laughs) comes to the like morrissey like Morrissey, <laughs> basically to be a Jedi, you've got to be Morrissey, and that explains why they're so incredibly dull. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whereas, whereas when it comes to the prequel movies, it's very much a sort of heaven knows Anakin be... Skywalker is miserable now. <laughs> <laughs> what difference does a dead youngling make? Um, and uh, when you when you when you reach the the prequels, it's made very clear. Maybe not in the first one. Because they're kind of just running around doing Jedi stuff. But in the second one and in the third one, it's made abundantly clear that to be a Jedi, you've basically got to be unbelievably boring and do nothing with your life apart from sit around in a robe all day. Yeah, you can't marry, can't go anywhere. Yeah, all you do is just walk around saying stuff. Yeah, and I I find that's really weird. And obviously, you know, that, that does stunt him. And, and that's what I found interesting about 
um the last jedi and i know a lot of people hate that movie you're wrong it's really good you're wrong um fuck you if you don't like that film. <laughs> <laughs> um and what i loved about it was that it it criticized that jedi way of life quite clearly and it showed that following to the letter what it means to be a jedi and having that fear of anger and that fear of being afraid and that fear of hate it it leads to that rigidity that stops you from truly becoming a a person at peace with oneself yeah and and that's the kind of overall message of it isn't it is that you know luke skywalker he he failed because he felt like he couldn't control the emotions of a of a teenager yeah and and that's effectively what happens in in the prequels is yeah in a much more clumsy way where anakin literally says um they're having in the middle of a lightsaber battle before he's about to become disfigured and become darth vader they say the jedi use their powers for good and he goes from my point of view the jedi are evil as if they're having a debate at the oxford union yeah exactly (laughs) he's he's been watching too much space jordan peterson (laughs) Jordo <laughs> Petersona would oh, be his no. Star Wars name. He's def- he's totally he's got a real Sith Lord vibe, hasn't he, Jordan Peterson? He's got a he's got a proper. No, he'd no, definitely no, be I like wouldn't... a slimy Chancellor. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that he'd be a Sith Lord. I think he'd be like uh, the Hux figure. Oh, he's right, just the kind yeah. of weakling who's there in the Empire who's afraid of the the Sith. Yeah. But still, will like use his power on other people if he ever gets the chance. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, in terms of the Jedi and their feelings towards love, Anakin, our boy Annie, he yeah. says, attachment everyone is for- calls him Annie as if it's they do. Attachment is forbidden, possession is forbidden, compassion, which I would define as unconditional love, is essential to a Jedi's life. So you might say that we are encouraged to love. Yeah. They're very, very clumsily trying to make the Jedi seem a bit like Buddhism. That's all they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, and th- and that's what to make it seem like it's all mysterious and woke and stuff. Because, and I think part of that comes down to the fact that they try to add a bit of fake science into the previous film that was you roundly criticised. Midi chlorians. <laughs> yeah, where rather than it being some kind of special magical force that some people had, the force was in fact down to how many little creatures you had in your blood. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's kind of took away from the magic of it and i think they're trying to bring it back here by showing it as this kind of uh philosophy yeah which is always more interesting when it perceives that and there's i thought they did that really well in rogue one actually where there's like the monk guy who's all like i'm one with the force the force is one with me and stuff and he actually uses it to get shit done yes yeah the rogue one handled it very very well as did the last jedi and so whereas you know and you can see that the framework was kind of put in in these earlier films but it's done in such a rigid way and it's done in such a clumsy way that it doesn't feel that genuine. Yeah, I mean, the, the dialogue is really just clunking, isn't it? Yeah. Like, every line is a clanger. Every, every line. Well, yeah, every line's a clanger. But partic- I was going to say, maybe not the ones that aren't between Padme and Anakin, but actually, even the rest of the dialogue <laughs> is incredibly poor in this film. It just Apart from particular- Christopher Lee, because he's Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee is great. He this. can do he's- no wrong. He genuinely gives no shits yeah. and puts in a great performance as the evil villain. He's only in about three three scenes. Like he must have known it was rubbish, but he'd have been like, "Yeah, I'll do it." Star Wars, why not? Yeah, exactly. Not got you much gotta... else on apart from recording music videos for power metal bands and stuff. You know, he's he's such a cool guy, Christopher Lee. He was an absolute ledge. You know, playing a Sith Lord, playing Saruman, being a super heavy metal god. All of the classic horror films, The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man is incredible. Oh, I've never seen the Nicolas Cage version. <laughs> I don't know if I ever have actually. I think I've just seen, <laughs> I've just seen clips here and there. Even just the very idea of it is hilarious. Yeah, it's because <laughs> because I love like folk horror is one of my favourite sort of subgenres of horror, and and films like The Wicker Man really sort of set the set the bar for that. Mm, yeah. And so I have been a little bit afraid of seeing it <laughs> just because <laughs> it has such a bad reputation and the scenes I've seen are so awful. But, you know, you've, Midsummer's been and gone. We've got to, got to find some room for another folk horror film somewhere. Midsummer. Let's, let's get... Uh, let's get have, have I talked about how I went to go and see Midsummer yet? No, you haven't. Fill me in. I'm never going to see it. So, okay. so 
Midsummer. Not because I don't like that kind of thing. I just have a baby. <laughs> yeah, it's not baby friendly. That won't, they see... won't be showing that one at baby cinema. No, you do see someone's head getting caved in quite graphically with a big hammer. Cool, cool. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a tick mark against it. <laughs> Um, it's it's an interesting film. It's very weird. It's very colourful and beautiful. But there's some moments in it that really don't work. Firstly, that it doesn't really take advantage of the fact that it's a folk horror film and it revolves around this cult. Um, it's more interested in the um, the personal relationships of its characters, which doesn't really make good use of its setting or its focus. Right. Um, so from the word go, the audience knows what's going to happen and it kind of takes away from the overall dread of the film. Also, uh, it's a bit weird in terms of being a bit ableist here and there. Oh, um, okay. So it begins with the main character's parents being murdered by her bipolar sister which is a big no-no. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's very, very bad um, and uh, very lazy because there's actually ways that they could have, if, if they had to have the parents die, there's ways that they could have tied that back into the overall script, either thematically or structurally in terms of its plot. Yeah, in there's so many ways, different ways you could approach that, isn't there? It, yeah, in much better ways than just saying, hey, people with mental illness are violent. And, yeah. and so it felt incredibly lazy. And then there's a there's a um, character there who's um, got facial deformities because he's been uh, deliberately inbred because this cult believes that... Uh, by doing so, they create these people who are almost like their seers who can write the new texts of their religious books. Right. Um, which is an interesting concept, but then basically they're just playing with this person looks weird, ergo they're bad. So so there's these moments there that are really sort of like a bit ableist, which is not good. And so it was, yeah, it's a mixed bag. It was a little bit disappointing because there's there was a lot of potential to it that wasn't fully realised, I suppose. I've generally heard good things about it. Yeah, but it was it was good. It was good. It wasn't as good as Hereditary, but it was an interesting film. It just didn't really make use of what it could be, although a lot of it was very, very pretty. Um, it was a really stunningly shot film. Cool. Maybe I'll get um, so, around to seeing it at some point when it comes yeah, onto, it, the, it, onto the streaming services. Like I said, it's got a guy getting his head caved in with a big hammer. That's pretty good. Yeah. You, you get to see someone stitched up into a bear and set on fire. Cool, cool. So <laughs> it's got it's got some good stuff. I, I do that every weekend. You know, it's all yeah. news to me. Yeah. Oi, mate, you've annoyed me. Come get in the bear suit. Throw a <laughs> Molotov at you. <laughs> That's what, that's that's how it works. Yeah, that's 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 your average Friday night on the tube. Yeah. Oh God, the tube. That yeah, that's it's a lawless place. <laughs> it is. It is. So so um so bad dialogue in this movie. Yeah. He like compares her to sand, and then suddenly they're kissing. What's that about? Um, yeah, I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere is one of the my, the best lines of dialogue. Yeah, that, that's movie. actually quite Wizzoian, isn't it? It is. It really As is. As if it's like trying to be poetic, but it's just we- really weird. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have an awkward kiss as well. This is the thing as well. There's there's one scene where they're sort of like having a good time together um, and playing on frolicking on the meadow, and he's like r- riding one of the Naboo creatures or whatever. And then that's literally the only, it's like two minutes of them actually being romantic and enjoying each other's company, and the film actually giving you, okay, here's a good bit of their relationship, and here is like actually it building towards the thing. The rest of the time, it's, I love you, and it's so painful. Oh my God. Ah. Yeah, a lot of the time it is kind of, here, it, yeah. Uh... But, they spent and, longer on a really annoying, tedious scene inside a droid factory of them all like having to run under machines so they wouldn't get crushed in a scene that was definitely put in there so that they could put it into a video game later. They spent longer on that than they did on building up their relationship. Let me just tell you, Paddy, from the moment I met you all those years ago, <laughs> the day has gone by <laughs> when I haven't thought of you. And now that I'm with you again, I'm in agony. The closer I get to you, the worse it gets. The thought of not being with you. <laughs> I can't breathe. I'm haunted by the kiss that you should never have given me. My heart is beating, hoping that kiss will not become a scar. 
You are in my very soul, tormenting me. What can I do? I will do anything you ask. If you're suffering as much as I am, please tell me. Nah, I'm all right. As soon as you were saying that, I was imagining George Lucas sitting at a desk, like furiously typing that on a typewriter. No, no, no. He's writing with a pen with a Jar Jar head on the top, just in a notebook. <laughs> oh, he doesn't switch to a quill because he's writing romantic Shakespearean poetry. No, he clicks down on a different colour on the pen. It's one of those multicolour <laughs> ones. He switches to red. Uh, red. Red for romance, is it? Yeah, red for romance. That's definitely right. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's just awful. And and yeah, so let's talk. Let's talk Anakin Skywalker. And and I don't want to dogpile too much on Anakin because everyone's bad here, apart from you and McGregor, who is good. Yeah, and to, to give him his credit, he's very very consistent across the films, isn't he? As well. Yeah, he's he's the only person that has that consistency across all of the prequels, and you can see why there's still that clamour for him to play Obi Wan Kenobi, and and I think he still wants to do it as well. And there's been talk of a Disney. Uh, live action series where he'll play him and it will it will cover that time between the prequels and the original movies which would be really good and i hope he finds the time to do it and i hope they can get it off the ground yeah there's rumors of him appearing as a force ghost in episode nine isn't there yeah yeah there's all sorts of stuff going around and it'll be nice to see him again as obi-wan kenobi although they could use the image of alec guinness of course but they could they could but i think there's there there is that reason why people still think of him fondly in this role because he did give it his all and he he really did put in the effort even though you can clearly tell particularly in the third movie when he has to say not the younglings when he finds out that Anakin <laughs> when he's supposed is, to be doing actual emotional stuff yeah, yeah he is definitely trying not to laugh it's yeah. quite obvious um and there are bits as well where like especially if he's ever flying a ship or he's in danger where he sort of goes oh not good and stuff like that oh really made me laugh yeah it's great so so he's good i'm not too sure about padme as a character yeah she's she's only there to make him become darth vader isn't she she's yeah. extremely one-dimensional although Which she somehow shame. gets herself into the chain of command for the clones and i'm not sure how that works it's like they've only just discovered the the clone army and they've come to save them from the the gladiator battle that also goes on forever and suddenly she's like bossing them around and telling them what to do and it's like how did she get into the military chain of command not that i'm usually the like military strategy guy because i don't care but that did make me think huh what well, let me ask you, Paddy, have you ever killed a giant space cat? Because she did. Yeah, all the time. I climb up <laughs> on the poles. And... So, you know, none of the none of the Jedi have killed a giant space cat before. They're all like, you know what? She did what we couldn't and she's not even got a lightsaber. I'll I'll, I'll take the praying mantis instead. Yeah. Or that the that appears to be walking on its pincers. Yeah. <laughs> In a huge design flaw. Yeah. Or or you've got the the angry rhino. Those are your options. So anyway, right. <laughs> I totally forgot that that scene was in there and then I was like they they had that just to set up the moment of him doing a really really long speech about how love is torture and whatever and then for her to say that she loves him. And yes. then he just goes, "You love me?" Her? Like Scooby Doo. And then they're out in the battle arena. Yeah, and then they're killing animals. Which is the Jedi way. Yeah um so so right let's get back to the romance right we're a romance podcast we talk romance yeah of course and this is an extremely romantic film and it gets right to the heart of what it feels like to love someone which is torture which is torture terrible pain anakin skywalker is a weird creep yeah and you know people can complain about after but anakin skywalker he's on the next level to to Mr. Yeah. Grey, really, he's, isn't he's, he? Isn't he? He's 18 years old, and he's, like, constantly, like, perving on a woman who is, what, 15 to 20 years his senior? I don't know. I think it's less than that. Okay. So she's quite a young queen. Yeah, she's supposed to be a teenager in the original movie, and he's, what, about eight or nine years right, old? Right, okay. So I think there's supposed to be, like, a six, seven-year age gap between them, something okay. like that. So, um, yeah, not that an age gap is in and of itself problematic, but it's, yeah, it's the way he goes about it is just what you wouldn't 
do that to anyone, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, so so basically he... Just being he, around her again is intoxicating. Yeah, so he finds out that they're going to see her and he's like, oh, I'm so excited about seeing her and so nervous. And you're like, that's a bit weird, Anakin. Yeah. And, the, and then like in the next scene where they meet for the first time, he's sort of staring at her creepily. Yeah. And it's like, you've grown so beautiful. It's like, all right. I appreciate the line, mate. There's probably not a time to do it because yeah. you're here to protect her from from the murderers. And he carries on hunters. doing that for scene after scene after scene, and she's not telling him no, which is the annoying part. Well, she her, does say her character stinks. She she literally says, "Don't look at me like that. It makes me uncomfortable." That's a pretty <laughs> clear no message right there. Yeah, but then a couple um, of scenes later, she's kissing him after being compared to sand. Yeah, well, you know, that's the key to every woman's heart, Paddy. Don't you know? Compared to sand. Yeah, you you go oh, out to a woman. I love you like a beach of couscous. The, the, you 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 meet up in a bar with someone and you get chatting and you go, you know what? You really remind me of Bogner Regis, and that is <laughs> that is the key to a woman's heart. I was down there this weekend. <laughs> was it was it coarse and irritating, and did it get everywhere? Well, actually, the tide was so high that you couldn't even get to the sandy bit of the beach. It was it was uh, only the rocks. Oh dear. Yeah. It was a shame, but it was very nice nonetheless. Well, it wasn't Bognorigis, it was Felpham, which is the next bit over. But you can see the butlins from there. Ah, uh, okay. There we go. And a lot of great dogs walking on the front. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so Anakin Skywalker, he turns up. He's immediately creepy and aggressively romantic towards her. She declines his advances, telling her that he makes, him un- she makes, uh, he makes her uncomfortable. He makes everyone uncomfortable. Um, and he just keeps going and he gets really sort of creepy and starts saying like, I should be an all powerful Jedi master and I should be able to do what I want. Yeah. Um, my, my dad figure never listens to me. It's so unfair. I'm a really frustrated, angry man. Um, and then he, he, he jets off to the other side of the galaxy, murders a bunch of sand people <laughs> and then comes back and is like, I murdered them. Even the children. Yeah, and she and decides she's like, whatever. That, she decides at that point, you know what? This guy's a keeper. Uh, yeah. Let's stick with this one. This one's who we want to be with. And yeah, so th- he is a weird, weird character in yeah. this film. And it's the same even when he tells the she finds out that he's killed all the younglings. She's like, oh no, surely not my lovely, ro- extremely romantic Anakin. Yeah, it, it's like, oh well, everyone makes mistakes, Annie. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't really mean to kill literally every Jedi, apart from <laughs> Yoda. Apart from Yoda. The, the the key thing to know is when someone says, I'm going to become the greatest space wizard ever, I'm going to learn to stop people from dying. That's how you know that they're a completely stable genius. Yeah, definitely. They They sound like a really advanced, important scientist, and you should let them get on with whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, and the way they approach that as well is the whole reason that he turns to the dark side is to stop her from dying. And then um, Palpatine immediately is like, oh yeah, you killed her. No, and then that's it. He's Darth Vader. He's like, right, I'm going to go be super murderous now. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but there was this YouTuber who rewrote the Star Wars prequels and did these really in-depth videos about how you didn't have to change everything, but with a few tweaks, you could really make it work. And it's fascinating to watch each of them. A few tweaks like making Boss Nass the protagonist of The Phantom Menace. Uh, Kit Fisto, <laughs> he's our boy. Yeah, it's a really interesting series. I can't, yeah, I can't remember who it was for the life of me, but they really did their homework and came up with these incredible stories that not only improved the prequels but also tied them in so much better to the original films. Huh. And so it it wouldn't take a lot of work, but just doing things like making him feel like a human character and and making him feel because. He's he's not a flawed character. He's not a character with grey areas in this film. He's either the greatest space wizard the world's ever seen, who can do whatever he needs to do, or he's a murderous psychopath. There's no middle ground. There's no conflict. And and that's the same in the third film as well, is there's never that conflict there. It's always either on or off, one or the other. Yeah. And I think that's really where it falls down. And instead, that's where the prequel, the, the sequel movies have done quite well, is making Kylo Ren quite a grey area character yeah yeah it's almost like he's a double agent yes yeah and and so it's it's really interesting the way that they framed it and it's it's done in such a clever way and i think it helps that you know adam driver's putting in great performances as well 
Yeah, but that feels very, very much like that's how it should have been in the prequels in terms of the struggle about whether to go to the dark side or not. It's not just some clunky setup about him wanting to stop his wife from dying. It feels like a genuine philosophical conundrum for Kylo Ren. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and that's what's missing from these movies. Um, and it leads to all of the characters. And it's clear that all of the all of the films, particularly the prequel films, they're supposed to harken back to like 1950s movies. Um, and, and George Lucas is always very, very clear and open about those influences. And you can see it in the original Star Wars films of like the side swipes and things like that. They're all filmed in a very traditional way. Yeah. And that's a deliberate artistic choice. And that carried over into into the prequels. And you can kind of feel that in the way that the characters are portrayed. They all feel very sort of static and rigid um really and, and all of, really and all of the all of the scenes feel very rigid there's no real movement in them they're all very very set and focused and part of that i guess is down to the fact that there's so much green screen in them that it's impossible to get that that fast movement with the characters because yeah you know, i mean the technology has moved on yeah and 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 for when was this 2002 i think it was yes um it's very very advanced for 2002 yeah and the phantom menace as well the phantom menace is 20 years old and if you look at the stuff that was coming out in 1999 you know the very little was like that if anything didn't it win an oscar for visual effects yeah i think it did yeah um and deservedly so because it's you know it really the these movies really did push the boat out in terms of how films looked and that's easy to overlook now because all you do now is focus on the content that's there rather than the spectacle around it yeah um, but but they did make these really good solid advancements in in film technology however the fact that they're so green screen focused for the time it meant that all of the sets also had to be quite rigid which is why you get so much guy walks up talks with other guy that's the end of the scene um because in the background the actors can't see it but there's spaceships flying everywhere and you know there's a 50s diner going on yeah. Um they're they're serving space bacon and eggs with a side of hash browns. Space hash browns. Space <laughs> I, hash browns. I would eat those for they're sure. They're green. They're green space hash browns. Hell yeah. Give me all of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so there is this weird awkwardness to the whole film, isn't there? Yeah. Any anything that's dialogue and interaction is just really rigid and then the action scenes feel incredibly free-flowing because they're basically entirely cgi yeah and so but they go on weird... forever yes yeah and so there's this weird sort of binary of nothing's happening or too much is happening yeah absolutely you know suddenly nothing is happening and that he's talking about how how torturous love is and then the next minute there it is she they're they're in love and they're about to die in the gladiator arena yeah, uh, that's the way the world works, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. If I, had a, if I had a 20 quid for every time that had happened to me. Every time I've been in the arena. Oh, jeez. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm tired from having been in the arena yesterday, you know. I had to kill a, had to kill the space cat. Ah, oh, mate. They're, they're, they're difficult, aren't they, the space cats? Yeah, they're insane. <laughs> Always meowing and stuff. Never using the cat flap. Always just no, coming in through the yet. through the space door, through the airlock. They always demand coming through the airlock. Yep. Never using the escape pods properly. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's a it's a weird it's a weird film. Yeah, um, I like. I did actually quite like Yoda getting his lightsaber on with with Count Dooku, but it only lasted about two minutes, and then it was over, and then that was the end of the film. You know, like all of that tedious running around inside the like car factory that looked like a one of those adverts for cars where they try and go really techy to try and impress you that just looked like that, as if that was building up to a final lightsaber battle, and then there was a bit of it with the odor, and then it was over. That's it. Yep, it's very, uh, it's very abrupt. The ending of this film. Yeah, much more so than if you compare it to the second part of other great sequels, uh, other great trilogies, rather. You know, so you've got the Empire Strikes Back, which has this very sort of, it's it's not, it's kind of abrupt in comparison to to the first. Star yeah, Wars. but that's the Luke, I am but, your father film. That's got it all. Yeah, and and but it still it still sets up what's going to be happening next, and it still has that satisfying conclusion. Um, or you look at uh, the second film in the Lord of the Rings series, for instance, where that has that very epic battle, and then it quite clearly has this slow winding down of the end of the film. 
that still hints at what's going to happen next. Whereas here, it's very much a sort of, you're done. That's yeah, it. that's it. They're getting married, whatever. There's nobody there at their ceremony. It looks like a terrible wedding, but with a very nice view. Yeah. There's a very nice ending scene, actually. I always do like how a Star Wars film ends. It always just has like a big sweeping scene and you can hear the music swelling toward the... It is good. It is yeah. good. Honestly, would Star Wars be Star Wars? Or like, would it be as popular without John Williams? If it didn't have that score, if it just had a kind of quite generic score that wasn't catchy? No, definitely not. I think and, it's and, so integral. And you can you can see that it nowadays it does work without it. So Rogue One, for instance, takes things quite differently. I think I remember saying that, actually, when we were walking out of Rogue One, that like, actually, oh, it didn't have much of the integral score. Mm. And not that that was necessarily a bad thing, because I enjoyed it, but it gave it a very different feel. And so, Solo as well, actually. Uh, yeah, so t- tonally, Rogue One feels completely different from the rest of the Star Wars movies. And and that's quite interesting. But when you think of the core films, and you particularly think of the success of the original movies, I think that having a memorable theme played a huge part in that. And and music is one of the most underappreciated aspects of what makes a movie successful or not. Always. Having a, having a tone, ha- having a theme that works with the film and having a, a general score that works with the film you need to have that otherwise your film is going to feel very strange and it doesn't mean that you have to have a big theme like star wars but you've just got to have something that matches and complements the film that's been yeah. created or a score that sets your teeth on edge like um the works of yorgos lanthimos always seem <laughs> yeah, to have exactly <laughs> but i think he also have the favorite which is a film that we loved and we reviewed very very highly but yeah the scraping noises on the on the score can get the fuck. Oh, I really love it though. You know, you know my feelings <laughs> yeah. about this. This is probably one of our biggest disagreements about film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could have done a better um, score. Look, I'm holding a pen and a pair of scissors now. Yeah. You, you hearing this shit? There you go. I can, That's your I can score. dig it. I can dig it. That works well for me. You've got a nice industrial yeah. feel to that. Hearing this? <laughs> um (laughs) but yeah so so it feels like star wars still yes but it it feels it is a strange movie and it doesn't it doesn't really tick any of those satisfying film boxes and i know that you enjoyed the yoda fight at the end but i don't really like that i don't i don't really like when yoda it's kind of silly yeah, and I, I don't really enjoy Yoda in the prequels because he's so serious. Whereas if you look at Yoda in The Empire Strikes Back, he's this absolute jerk, this wacky jerk who ke- keeps playing pranks. Yeah, I love and that. I, and I really love that about him, whereas that playfulness and that sort of charm of his character is kind of lost in the original movies because he's basically just a frowny little gremlin who's like, mm, I'm wise, I am. Yeah, if you look behind that door, only pain will you see or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um and so like I, I he's don't like know. The, I don't... the most obtuse of zen teaching embodied yeah and so i'm not really a fan of of prequel yoda that much and i don't really like the whole backflipping yoda thing um because in the original movies you never see him using that lightsaber you see his power comes behind his understanding of the force yeah and which so it's think... much more meaningful yeah and so I, I would have liked to have seen that so even if he did have to do the fighting if he turns up and just sort of like you know uses lots of protective force use to create force fields or yeah i mean he can still throw things and things like that yeah i think that would have worked much better but that wasn't the modus operandi of the prequels where instead it is all about let's have really fast lightsaber battles because that's well cool yeah yeah (laughs) exactly christopher lee versus yoda though that is cool yeah yeah it is cool to see christopher lee fighting the little man yeah, but it, it it still feels a bit out of place for what I feel Star Wars is, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, which is a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a shame. Yeah, but I don't know how else they could have ended it. Other than I don't know some more gladiator machine robot battle stuff. I don't know. Clones Just versus those weird like long necked droids. Dance off. Yeah, that's what they need. Yeah, Star, Star dance Wars off. dance off. Yeah, it's the only way to settle this. 
Um, did you enjoy seeing Boba Fett's dad getting his head cut off? Yeah, and then Boba Fett holding... Does he hold the head? Yeah. He goes I... down to look at it. Because he's just holding his dad's head. Yeah, it's like, well, <laughs> that's a turn up for the books. Yeah. Um, I, one of the pet peeves... Django sequence, was unchained. He was beheaded. Yeah. Um, one of my pet peeves is the way that they, they had to tie in everything from the original movies back into the prequels. So you've got like C-3PO was made by Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah. And and Django Fett was the was Boba Fett's dad and he was used to create all the clones for the Clone Wars. I don't mind that. Um, I think that's quite that's not a bad tie-in. But yeah, uh, C-3PO. Like... That, yeah, it's like every film has to have some C-3PO content and it's like actually he's not that interesting in the prequels. He's not he's not funny. Just leave it. Excuse me, but he has an incredibly high pun content in this film. Yeah, but it jars, doesn't it? Because the rest of the film is so, oh, I love his torture. <laughs> yeah, and then he's just like, he get, he gets his head knocked off and he goes, oh, I lost my head. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> love it. Yeah, and then, yeah, his head gets onto the body of a droid. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, it's great. I, I, I love the C-3PO nonsense. Yeah, and R2-D2. And there's an R4, and he keeps trying to make R4 happen. Like when he's flying around in the ship with R4 every second line, he's saying, hey, R4, did you know this? Hey, R4, what did you think about this? Do this, R4, 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 R4. It's like, stop trying to make R4 happen. Nobody cares about R4. Yeah, poor R4. You're already one little droid. He's no BB-8, is he? No, BB-8 is the best droid. I love BB-8. I stand around, boy. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Um, I uh, totally forgot that this film has the explanation of Luke Skywalker's Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, who's played yeah, by does. Joel Edgerton, who, Joel just looks, Edgerton who just looks young and confused in it. Yeah, Joel Edgerton is in this. Rose yeah. Byrne is in this as well. Yeah. Did you notice Rose Byrne? Yeah, for like, what, half a second? She's, she's there for like one second and then yeah. disappears. Like, wow, what are you doing in this film? It's uh, it's lovely. There's weird little cameos like that in these movies. Yeah, but yeah, I enjoyed that. How yeah, there was an explanation that he married um, the Anakin Skywalker's mom, and then she was taken by the Sand People and all that. That is again sort of a nice tie-in to the the bits in the episode four that like who are his aunt and uncle and whatever and that kind of thing. You know, that there's some explanation there, so I quite like that. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a neat tie-in. It's the kind of thing you needed to see, I guess. Um... Whereas some of them just feel a bit superfluous. Yeah. Oh, a lot. A lot of this film is entirely superfluous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, that's true. I suppose. Lots of Yoda talking Zen bollocks. <laughs> a non-puppet Yoda as well. Yeah. CG Yoda. I like my weird little Kermit the Frog Yoda thing. You can tell as well. It's, yeah, if you look at it, I did sort of look at it and then compare it to how he looked in the the originals and. Yeah, I think I prefer the puppet thing. It looks, yeah. it looks more, more real somehow. I'm more of a fan of the puppet, definitely. Well, that might just be like a nostalgia thing, but I don't know. I like a good puppet. I'm not going to lie. I like a good practical effect in my movie. Yep. Um, so have you got anything else to talk about? On this uh, no, I think we could agree that the romance is very, very bad. It's the worst of the Star Wars prequels, but it still has the magic of Star Wars, right? It does. It does. Still Star Wars is ultimately Wars. a good thing, no, even though it's kind of so huge and so franchised and so merchandised and there's so much of it. It is still a good thing. And if yes. you if you don't like Star Wars, give it a go. Don't start with this one. <laughs> go go and watch the original Star Wars and just go into it without any expectations, because you know I think it's not just for nerds. It's good. Yeah, Star Wars is brilliant, and I. I love every little bit of Star Wars content and I wish there was more of it. You know, I lots of lots of fans of the series are critical over, oh, they're just going to make a Star Wars movie every year and it's not going to be special anymore. It's like, no, just give me a Star Wars movie every year. Yeah. I'd love it. Why not? Give me a That's solid... There's still only one thing every year. Give me a solid seven out of ten Star Wars film every single year for the rest of my life. You know, maybe if you're lucky, your favourite band tours that often or or even less, or releases music or whatever, if you compare it to other things that people enjoy, you know, I think that's all right. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down with a Star Wars movie every year. Yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. No, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and this year we've got episode nine. I'm really excited. 
Shall we talk about yes. that for a little bit, actually? See how they're yeah. supposedly bring it, bringing back Palpatine. I don't want that. Because you can hear his laugh. On you the, can hear um, him laughing. And the, the theme that they used um, for Snoke was there's some musical similarity there, apparently, which I hadn't picked up on. But Yeah, they've got the whole... That kind of thing. <laughs> do, you, do you think Snoke was Palpatine? No, I think Palpatine's going to be there in some way, shape or form, even if it's just like a fucking recording of him. What's going to happen? <laughs> he's got, he's just got like a, a, an eight-track tape machine. Yes, like, yeah. <laughs> testing, testing. <laughs> one, two, one, um, two. Here's what's going to happen. I'm putting it down on the record here. You know how they said that Ray's parents were no one? They didn't mean that in the figurative sense, that they were just a bunch of space drifters or whatever oh. who just dumped her on a planet. She's Palpatine's daughter. Palpatine's clone daughter. They're going to end up in a facility on some old Imperial thing where they've been creating clones of Palpatine, and that's why she's so strong with the Force. But how do you get a clone to change change sex? Is it a mod- like just a modification that they made? For, for yeah, jokes? they just took his DNA and made a bunch of kids, basically. Right. And and that's what it's going to be. And it's going to be really irritating because then it's going to come all the way back round to, oh, yes, I am the chosen one. And it is all to do with DNA. And the Force isn't yeah. this magical thing that anybody can have. I'm I'm the super special chosen child. There's going to be loads of yeah, clones of Palpatine all running around. Yeah, all of them wearing the robes. Yeah. Um, all of them shouting, ultimate power. Ultimate power. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, so so that's what's going to happen. It's going to turn out that she's some sort of clone or like test tube baby child of Emperor Palpatine. Would you rather that or the Jar Jar comes back as a Sith Lord? I mean, I'd love Jar Jar to come back as a Sith Lord. I actually think that'd be really cool. It would be brilliant. Jar Jar can fuck off. I'm sorry. <laughs> he is he is unbelievably irritating, and I think he's almost more irritating in this film because it's got such because he's a... somehow like a high ranking politician. Yeah, and and it's got such a different tone. This movie where it's so much more serious, and all of a sudden Jar Jar Binks is still there, and he's wearing and, like serious robes. Yeah, and and he's like, "Hi, I'm gonna be I I'm gonna be the person who let Hitler get into power in, before World War Two. Yeah, he's the and Neville that, Chamberlain of the yeah, Star Wars universe. Exactly. <laughs> I have um, here Chancellor Palpatine's signature. Yeah, it's it's just ridiculous. Um get in the bin, Jar Jar Binks. Um <laughs> Jar but Jar yeah, Binks. So, so so that's what I think's gonna happen in in the new movie because I think they're scared that you know, Disney doesn't like taking risks and I think no. they they realise that The Last Jedi took quite a lot of risks and so they're gonna bring it back and be an incredibly tame movie for the final one of this trilogy Uh, so i think they're gonna be like yeah her parents did mean something and uh what else can we do oh yeah everyone like palpatine let's bring palpatine back and maybe we'll put in another death star because we haven't had enough of them yet yeah if 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 that is the case then that sucks yeah and i'm still going to enjoy i'm really excited for it and i really hope that that is not the case yeah both the, the last jedi and the force awakens did surprise me in many ways and that was part of the joy of it actually yeah, I think this is going to be more of the Last Jedi, so a bit more fan servicey. And they won't, they won't have um, Poe Dameron and um, who, what's John Boyega's character called? They won't have, they won't have them being Finn. a couple. Finn, yeah, Finn and Poe, who are the real couple of the film. I think I'm shipping Finn. <laughs> no, because it's Rose and Finn. Rose oh and yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Poe and I don't know who. Poe's going to have sex with somebody. BB-8. <laughs> you just look at Poe Dameron. That's a man that gets around. And, and yeah, he's, he's a dog. For it. We he's need to see a bit more of that. Yeah. Yeah, again, but, I'd watch a film just about him. I want a spin-off that's Poe Dameron in Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> that's what I want. Yeah, I would watch um, that. Yeah. that's you know, that... BB-8 just rolling around on the dance floor as his buddy... Takes him home when he's had a few too many. Yeah. Disney, give the fans what they want. Yeah, sort it out, <laughs> Disney. <laughs> oh, dear. So, right, do you want some trivia about this movie? Sure, why not? So, 
<laughs> Do you want to know who else was in the running to play Anakin Skywalker? Oh, yes, actually. So you had Ryan Philippe, Misha Collins, Paul Walker, Colin Hanks, Christian Bale. Christian Heath, Bale. Heath Ledger, James Vanderbeek, um, Leonardo James Van DiCaprio. Beek. That would have been amazing with his crying Dawson face. <laughs> exactly. He'd be crying every time Padme said anything. <laughs> yeah. But Hayden Christian got the part primarily because he and Natalie Portman looked good together, apparently. According to who? George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, George Lucas. He is the hero of our time. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so that, so that's interesting, I think. There were so many people yeah. in the running, but it ended up going to Hayden Christensen. I think, unfortunately, his, his, um, his career's kind of been dampened by the fact that he was in the Star Wars prequels and was, was heavily maligned for them. Um, but, you know, I think he, he's been in plenty of things. He was in Jumper. Do you, did you ever watch Jumper? No. Um, that Is was it a like film a about of, sweaters? It was, yeah. Um, and he was, in, he was in a rom-com the other year with um, Emma Roberts. All right. Um, Maybe we should watch that at some point then. Yeah, it's 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 like Romeo and Juliet, apart from pizza restaurants. Cool, I'd go for that. Um, and anything with pizza, I'm there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, so he's he's been in stuff here and there. Um, his career hasn't dried up, but unfortunately, I think you know it's it's always going to be overshadowed by the fact that he was in Star Wars. Um, um, but yeah, where where was I? Oh yeah, so Terence Stamp, you might remember that he was in the original uh, uh, Phantom Menace. He did not return here, saying that actors prefer to work with actors um, in reference to the sheer amount of green screens and things like that in this movie. <laughs> right. Um, which, you know, fair fucks, Terence Stamp. You, you knew when to bow out gracefully. Yep. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> which is great which is great um and and yeah so it's it's a weird film isn't it yeah very odd is that is that trivia yeah i can't there's so much trivia for this film and i really can't be bothered to go to to go through the so much of it the only thing i'll add is um you know the death sticks guy yeah, yeah. he's like you want to buy some, some death, death sticks, sticks? <laughs> You do not want to sell me death sticks. It never um, explains what they are, obviously. But. No, they're, they're they're supposed to be a, halluc- a hallucinogen, apparently. They're right, kind of like right. LSD cigarettes. Um, but apparently, you know, he has those two antenna on his head. Yeah. They were added with CGI <laughs> instead of it being part of the costume. Sure, why not? Why not? If you've got that much CGI in your movie already, go wild with it. Add antenna to people. Someone who was working in the CGI department had some time that afternoon. Yep. And just decided, hey, you know what? (laughs) Throw throw some antenna on that fella right there. Yeah, he's working hard. He's earning his cash. He's not kicking back. He's not lazy. (laughs) The CGI buddy was like, hey, man, we're we're going down the pub. He's like, no, sorry, I've got to finish these antenna. It's got to look perfect. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, so yeah, that'll do. Screw it. Good trivia. Good. Screw trivia. it. I can't be bothered with more. It's late. I'm it, is, it is late and tired, but it's nice to do a Star Wars special and just generally talk about the magic of Star Wars because it is cool and fun. Yeah, it is. It is cool and fun. Uh, I've enjoyed it. So, how, how are we ranking this one then? Ooh, um, how many grains of sand have stuck in? your feet and a coarse and irritating that's a good one that's a good one i'm going with nine grains of sand this is not a good movie but i still no. enjoy it because it has death sticks <laughs> it's, yeah it's less than a bon jovi i think that yeah. sounds kind of fair i'll give it an eight similar similar ballpark yeah it's uh, it's still star wars you can't it's, go wrong it's still with star, star wars, wars but it is also really annoying <laughs> it's got a character called might i remind you Kit Fisto in it. Kit Fisto, Mace Dexter Windu. Jetster, <laughs> Nate Gunray. Yep. <laughs> the Viceroy. Yeah. Yeah, you got to credit the Star Wars prequels for bringing the word Viceroy to a new generation of kids. <laughs> exactly. Gains a point for that. 
gains a point for that. Um, yeah, so yeah, this is this is a good one. It's but it's also a bad one. Yeah, <laughs> a good one, but also a bad one. And yeah. I kind of I like when films are like that. Yeah, it's probably the worst Star Wars movie, but it's still got C three PO making puns and people's heads getting chopped off with lightsabers. We can all agree on C three PO. Yep. Right, so up next, it's my choice, isn't it? It is, yes. So we're going, we're we're going back to romance, proper romance. Yeah, so we're not going rom com, but there's a movie that's come out on Netflix. Oh, good. It's always a good start. No, just based on the last one you chose, it was on Netflix. Yeah, and I'm hoping that it follows suit in that respect. So we're going to be watching a movie called Secret Obsession. Secret Obsession. This sounds a bit in the the Fifty Shades ballpark. I know absolutely nothing about this film. It's come up. Is it is it sexy? I think it's a bit sexy. Cool. It's it's a movie about amnesia and secret obsessions. Okay, I'm down. Don't and don't watch the trailer because the trailer appears to give away the entire plot (laughs) of the film. Okay, I won't. Um, But it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, I think, and it looks dumb as a bag of hammers. Excellent. That's what we like. <laughs> Righty. Cool. Well, I think we've gone on long enough. Let's leave it there. But if you if you have thoughts on Star Wars and stuff in general, you can always get in touch with us on the emails, bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at bigboysdon'tpod. Always love to hear from you. Do you believe that Jar Jar is a Sith Lord theory? What would be your terrible Jedi name? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need to. We've uh, still a few slots open on our intergalactic eight-bit baseball team. <laughs> we need you. You've got to choose the name of a pet dog from the nineteen seventies, and then take the name of either an adverb or a body part and add a verb to the end of it. Yeah, and then add a um, add a couple of random vowels onto it. Yeah. as well. I couldn't remember the, but the word vowels then for a second. Yeah, you've got. This is, you know how when like you learn something new, it pushes something old out of your brain? It's like that. <laughs> exactly. So just for an example, you take the name of a pet from the 1950s, so Bud, yeah. and then the name of a, a body part, Spleen, add some vowels. Bud Spleenu. Bud Spleenu. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. It's easy. These names write themselves. Yeah. So yeah, give us your Jedi name. <laughs> yeah. I need to now draw a picture for you of Bud Spleenu. <laughs> oh dear oh very good very good well this was a lot of fun but yeah now we must sleep yes so we'll let you go and hope you enjoyed star wars star wars is good it is all right bye bye bye